Do you know someone that has some problems with a mental health disorder, maybe an addiction or a combination of both, and they're not getting better? Today on Restoration Family, we're going to discuss the possibility that you, someone you love, or someone you know has a dual diagnosis, meaning two independent ongoing disorders, and we're going to talk about how to get better if you have a dual diagnosis. Today on Restoration Family, I'm going to discuss how to know if you have a dual diagnosis or maybe someone that you love or care about has a dual diagnosis. Now, this is often referred to as a mental health disorder and a substance use disorder, but actually both of them are considered mental health disorders. The second term that is used sometimes, it's called coexisting. So you have two independent disorders, and also it's referred to as comorbid disorders. The point being is that there's two independent disorders. So if you took away the substance abuse or substance use disorder, as it's referred to now, the mental health disorder would still exist. So say if I was bipolar, I would have the mood swings, and this used to be referred to as manic depressive disorder, but now it's bipolar disorder. And if I took away the bipolar disorder, because it really didn't exist, it was caused from doing drugs and alcohol, things like that, stress, then the substance use disorder would still exist. And that's certainly one of the issues is when people have a lot of stress in their life and they, they're not sleeping well, they're not eating well, they're troubled, Uh, They have a lot of conflict, just ongoing stress and trials of life and tribulations, things like that. It can cause a lot of brain chemistry imbalances and people may start doing drugs and alcohol. And then one of the difficult ways to assess some of these problems is the signs and symptoms of substance use disorders look a lot like mental health disorders. So you really have to get a good assessment and figure out what's going on if you want to help a loved one or yourself get better. And that's a key issue of what Restoration Family does. I am a licensed mental health counselor. I'm also a clinical supervisor for marriage and family. I also am a master addictions professional, and I have a doctorate of psychology. But the reason I bring that up is I was given a lot of cases that involved people with what we would refer to as a dual diagnosis. They had two disorders. They had a substance use disorder, or back then it was called a substance abuse disorder, and they also had a mental health disorder, and they both existed. So I went out to a lot of families working with uh, dependency court, trying to get the family put back together so the children could stay in the family and be safe and well cared for. So one of the things I saw in a lot of these families that I worked with is a lot of people were not getting better and they were having what the case managers and the court and therapists and social workers and counselors and psychiatrists and medical doctors would refer to as repeated failures. And this was very 
problematic to the family and also the individual themselves. So a lot of times there was some misdiagnosis going on and some of the clients may end up being told by the court that they needed parenting classes or possibly anger management, things like that, when actually they were dealing with maybe a brain chemistry imbalance like bipolar disorder, clinical depression, and a substance use disorder. So one of the things I learned early and through my readings was the treatment plan and the treatment plan components are only going to be good as the assessment that they're based on. So this is a pretty key issue for all families and individuals. You need to get a good assessment by a professional that can really tell you what you're dealing with and what you're addressing because sometime you'll be sent down the road of recovery and treatment plan and it's really not dealing with all of the problems that you're having, particularly with a dual diagnosis. Now remember, if I take away that mental health disorder, then you're still going to have the substance use disorder. If I take away the substance use disorder, you're still going to have that other mental health disorder like depression or bipolar disorder. You might even have some type of personality disorder. PTSD is often very common in dual diagnosis. That's post-traumatic stress disorders. If you're asking yourself, why aren't I getting better after all this treatment and social works and counselors and psychiatrists and medications and therapists and marriage and family classes and court-ordered programs and maybe even criminal interventions like the jail. A lot of people are not getting better because they don't have the proper diagnosis and also they don't have the proper treatment plan. And the misdiagnosis is oftentimes a dual diagnosis, at least with more than one disorder, so you're not getting treated properly. And when you have a dual diagnosis, you have to treat them both simultaneously. So you may be asking yourself, well, why is this a big deal? Well, it's a huge deal because a lot of people that we care about, including ourselves and our family members and our children and our loved ones, they're not getting better oftentimes because they have more than one disorder and they're not being treated properly. And I saw this all the time in my work as a licensed mental health counselor and a master level addictions professional and a person with a doctor in psychology degree. And that bothered me tremendously because I was in this profession and ministry because I wanted to see people get better. And a lot of times the recovery rate, full sustained recovery with no criteria for a year, you don't see that that often. So we're going to talk about some things that should be able to help you. First of all, understand if you are dealing with a dual diagnosis, meaning more than one disorder, and then what are some of the treatment protocols and plans that you can implement to help people get better. And the third area will be some resources that you can read and study to also help your family member, loved one, or even yourself. When you look at a dual diagnosis, a lot of the problems are severe because you're not just dealing with one disorder. Another problem that we see 
other than just the individual, is the family system itself. Because with addictions, the family becomes very sick and tries to control the behavior or maybe help the person get better. But pretty much the definition of addiction is a loss of control. So oftentimes the family is trying to control someone that has a primary disorder that basically equates to a loss of control. So you're trying to control something that's not able to be controlled. So what happens when a family tries to control something where the addiction becomes a primary drive and it takes precedent over everything, over the health of the family, over the individual's health, over the person's children, over their job, over their career, over their finances, even over their freedom because they'll be looking at oftentimes jail, prison, illnesses, health disorders. So that's what happens when an addiction becomes a primary drive. It comes first over everything. And a lot of people don't understand this, but that's one of the cardinal definitions of a addiction, the compulsive driven use that becomes the primary disorder, meaning this is more important than everything. Actually, the primary disorder begins to look a lot like a survival mechanism, and it's located in the survival brain, referred to as the limbic system, which is going to seek pleasure and avoid pain and deal with survival type of mechanisms. It becomes very powerful and will even overpower the frontal cortex system of our brain where we're making decisions with reason and logic and fact. So the survival brain starts to take control over our thinking and our reasoning and our logic and our just common sense brain. First of all, we'll oftentimes see what has been referred to in the past as a primary disorder or what came first. So if the mental health disorder came first and then you see someone start to use drugs and alcohol and then you can see that they become addicted with loss of control, compulsive use, and uh, the addiction now becomes like a primary drive a bunch of negative consequences, other parts of the person's life are not addressed. The addiction really becomes like a full-time job to them. But we see that what came first was maybe a mood disorder, like bipolar with these manic depressive cycles. Then we would know that there's a real mental health disorder, which is driving the addictive disorder or the addiction itself. And that's one way to look at that system of pathology is what came first. Now, if the person stopped doing drugs for an alcohol for quite some time, basically got a lot better and they're functioning, they started sleeping better, they stopped getting so angry, they were able to hold a job down, uh, different domains of life became functioning again, then maybe the substance use disorder is really what's causing havoc in the person. And it looks a lot like a mental health disorder. And certainly drugs and alcohol can alter your brain and your emotions and your physical state where a lot of these signs and symptoms do look very much like a mental health disorder. So to reiterate, we would look at 
what came first? Did this mental health disorder come first and then the drugs and alcohol showed up? Or did the drugs and alcohol use become quite severe and then we started to see a mental health disorder? So the second area that I just touched on a little earlier was what happens if the person stops doing drugs and alcohol for, say, 30, 60, 90 days? Does the mental health disorder wane dramatically or pretty much go away? So if that happens, then we know that you would have a substance-induced disorder and the mental health disorder that we're looking at, maybe clinical depression, anxiety disorder, etc., was being caused by the drug and alcohol use. And once the person went in recovery, things got a lot, lot better and the criteria was no longer met for the mental health disorder. But the addictive disorder or the addiction itself may still exist. Once again, these two disorders are independent. If one goes away, the other one will still be there. Now, if the drug and alcohol use goes away and the mental health disorder disappears, then it was never an independent disorder in the first place. The third image or picture that you could look at it, if somebody has a real dual diagnosis like PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and drug and alcohol abuse, or maybe clinical depression, alcohol, drugs, stimulants, anxiety disorders, everything is going to be a lot worse and more severe because the, the two disorders are basically synergistic, meaning that they work off of each other. And so it's a lot harder to treat and it's a lot harder to help the person stay on track because one part of their disorder or their pathology will tend to affect and drive the other part. Once again, when you go to treatment, the two disorders have to be treated simultaneously, or at least that's what the experts say. One of the things you want to look at if you know that someone has two disorders or a dual diagnosis is you want to send them to a place that specializes not only in mental health disorders, but also substance use and addiction. If the person has a dual diagnosis, you would want them certainly to stop using the addictive substances because that's going to play havoc on their brain chemistry and keep everything worse. But also, they're going to need some treatment with the mental health part if we're talking about the disorders such as uh, depression, anxiety disorders, mood disorders, post-traumatic stress disorders, things like that, even personality disorders. So you have to go to a place that has best practices that fit both disorders. If not, people, from what I've seen, they, they just don't get better because you're only dealing with part of the problem. The fourth sign and symptom is something I've told registered interns that I supervise for licensure a lot is we don't really, really diagnose people. We're able to diagnose people, but what really diagnoses people is the criteria, which is in the DSM-5 right now. That's the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Health Disorders. Here's what I do. I read the criteria to the client. They either have the signs and symptoms and the criteria or not. One of the ways to really tell 
if you're dealing with a dual diagnosis, is the loved one have the criteria or not? Now, sometimes they can have some of the criteria and it doesn't meet the full standards for the full disorder, but they could have something that is close to it or it has other parts that are leading up to the disorder, but it's not met the full criteria for the diagnosis. And that does happen quite a bit. Now on to some treatment, because if you've got a good idea that you're dealing with a dual diagnosis and people are not getting better, once again, this is a big part of why we do this. We want people to get healed, restored, and recovered. And a lot of times that's not happening. And the family is suffering. Everybody's struggling. There's constant stress. And the family actually gets drawn into the disease and can become very sick and pathological itself. So some of the treatments that I've seen would be referred to as best practices. And once again, they're two independent disorders. You have to treat them simultaneously, which means both of them together. Another thing that helps a lot is if you go to support groups like AA or NA, and that's a very powerful social network and support group, but also working with a professional counselor can, that can give you a proper diagnosis and assessment to find out what you're dealing with at the first place. Once again, your treatment plan is going to be based on an assessment and diagnosis. And the treatment plan, generally speaking, is only as good as the diagnosis and the assessment. It'd be a lot like if you went to your medical doctor and he diagnosed you improperly and then gave you medications and a treatment plan for something that you didn't really have, and he never addressed what you did have, you're not going to get better. We're going to see people that are not getting better oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes, and many times their severity continues down a progression where it gets worse, and then the family gets drawn into the crisis and things are not just not getting better. Another program that you can study is certainly the steps of recovery like AA and NA, the 12 steps, but also relapse prevention is an excellent process to get involved with. One of the experts in that field, if you want to read some of his writings and books, is Terence Gorski. He just died recently, but he was an expert in relapse prevention. I like to think of relapse prevention as giving someone tools to not go to first base in the first place. If we can teach our loved one or ourselves to not go to certain people, places, and things where we used to have a lot of substance use disorders and behaviors and stressors and different things that pull us back into the behavior, that can help a lot. And so a lot of times in AA and NA, they talk about we have to change people, places, and things. And relapse prevention will give you a lot of tools, particularly with your thinking, your emotional states. Some of the emotional issues that bring people back are to drug and alcohol use and depression and going back to the pathology are things like resentments and negative emotional states. And if you can't resolve those, then people oftentimes are going to find a way to self-medicate because they can't handle these ongoing negative emotions. 
So we look at the 12-step programs. They'll teach us uh, support network and family. They're going to teach us skills. Also, family system, Al-Anon, Alateen. That's very good for the family. Another set of good interventions or trainings that will help you get better would include the relapse prevention techniques. So you would want to work with an agency or study relapse prevention, particularly the behavioral aspects of it where you're going to learn to not go to certain places. And that's one of the AANA statements or slogans. If you take your feet to a meeting, then your head will follow. So a lot of our behaviors and behavioral interventions are taught to not go back to the trial and tribulations of places where we used to use drugs and alcohol. One of the programs that has a high level of best practices results is called Seeking Safety. And this teaches people with mental health disorders and also addictions to make very good choices about what they're doing, where they're going, and with people, places, and things. So they make a lot of good decisions and learn a lot of skills based on safety. And this is part of where I got that idea from. In relapse prevention, if you don't go to a dangerous place in the first place, if you don't go there in the first base, then you're not going to have to deal with the problem and the crisis and the temptations. Another program that's very helpful is often called DBT therapy. That's dialectic behavioral therapy. And that's going to teach you a lot of how to deal with these negative emotional states and also the cognitive behavioral therapy skills, training, and teaching that goes along with that. Also look into the programs that offer best practices and they specialize in dual diagnosis because you're going to have licensed mental health, licensed social workers, marriage and family counselors, psychiatrists, uh, medical providers, and then also you're going to have to have the addictions professionals and the counselors and people that have been through addiction and come out the other side and they're healed and restored. Oftentimes a peer recovery specialist is very powerful. A peer recovery specialist is an individual that had a history of drug and alcohol and mental health disorders, and they were caught up in the compulsive and addictive system and pathology for quite some time, and they got healed, restored, and they're in recovery for at least two years, and then now they're working in the field. And they can be very powerful because they're just people like like us who have been through this struggle, and now they're They'll teach you and show you what they did to get better. And that's one of the main reasons why Restoration Family is here. I want to see people get better. And sometimes we're not seeing enough people get better and the families become sicker. The individual becomes worse. They can end up losing everything. Certainly their health. They can go to prison. They can get a disease. They can destroy the finances in their family. Their children are affected and often taught these disorders that carry on to the next generation. So this is critical and essential that you get a good picture and the truth of what you're dealing with here with a dual diagnosis. So finally, some of the resources that I will list in the show notes. 
one of the best books I've read ever. It's an older book, but it's just excellent. It covers so much of this. It's called Dual Diagnosis. It's by Katie Evans and Sullivan. And that's an excellent resource. I will list that in the show notes. Another book that is excellent for spiritual, biblical-based recovery and healing, it's called Waking the Dead by John Eldridge. And this is one of the main points of Restoration Family and part of my mission statement. I want to help people heal physically, emotionally, relationship-wise, in their thinking, to reestablish a state of hope. But I also want them to have healing and restoration in their spirit and get their heart and mind and spirit back in touch with God and, and the Savior that has reached out to mankind to help us heal. And a lot of people will not acknowledge at times that addiction is a spiritual disorder also. It's very much so. And so people will have to often heal and recover and be restored through spiritual and biblical truth and healing. And that's one of the aspects of Restoration Family that I've included in my profession. So you have the dual diagnosis by Evans and Sullivan. Then you also have the Relapse Prevention book, anything by Terrence T. Gorski. He's an expert in relapse prevention. Then there's a third book that deals a lot with the family system and interventions by the family. It's called When Enough is Enough by Candy Finnegan and her brother, Sean Finnegan. And you've seen them, I believe, on that show Intervention. She's the older lady and her brother is somewhat younger. His name's Sean once again. But she has got some incredible insights fascinating understanding of addictions, drug use, and how people can get better. That's another excellent resource that you can use. The fourth resource that I talked about was Waking the Dead, which would be a biblical Christian intervention for the emotions, the heart, the mind, and the spirit. And I thought that was excellent because there's so many things that destroy people uh, through their mind, their will, their emotions, and their spirit when you're talking about an addiction. So that's basically all I have for you today. I will be doing some more trainings. I'm going to try to go back to one podcast a week, and we're going to do some more discovery and more teaching and training in the arena of dual diagnosis because it's such a big subject. We have so many people that are not getting better And I want to help families get stronger, healed, and restored. So thank you, God bless you, and I'll see you soon.